When the enemies with enemy picture me, my identities when they're checking my pedigree. This is my autobiography, more than a philosophy. Life is living, and I gotta be driven, given my history, rising above the odds of world war. You, world war, it's up, world war, it's you. I think we're fighting ourselves, world war, world war, it's you, world war, it's up. I think I'm fighting myself. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another edition of the World War You podcast with your host, as always, Mansfield. Without wasting much of your time, guys, today's episode, I want to talk about the power of consequences. The power of consequences. I'm going to read a quote and it says, when you choose an action, you choose the consequences of that action. When you desire consequence, you are damned well better take the action that would create it. Now, consequences are not so powerful in word but more in action. And as an example, there was a 9.0 magnitude earthquake that rattled the ocean floor on the coast of Japan sometime in 2011. This was the fourth largest earthquake that was ever recorded. It was so powerful that it moved Japan's main island by 2.4 meters. It shifted the Earth's axis by about 10 centimeters and it sped up the planet's rotation by a few microseconds. Now, the actual damage from this earthquake and the tsunamis that it produced were of biblical proportion. With only eight minutes of warning, waves had swept as far as 10 kilometers inland, killing thousands and destroying entire towns within minutes. The official estimates put the death toll for the entire disaster at over 15,000 people. But it only gets worse. The authorities, authorities quickly discovered that a number of nuclear reactors at the Fukushima nuclear power plant had been severely damaged. And there were huge amounts of radioactive material that was leaking out into the surrounding areas, including the Pacific Ocean. In the span of a single afternoon, one destructive act of nature had turned into a man-made nightmare. Up to this point, nuclear power had played an important role in Japan's infrastructure since the 1970s, when the Fukushima power plant was first commissioned. But events of that day in 2011 were so traumatic and so real for the Japanese people that their government quickly agreed to shut down nearly every nuclear power facility in the country. The events were tragic. The response was swift. But then the story takes an odd turn. Now I want to talk about the law of unintended consequences. The public demand to discontinue this nuclear power within Japan was overwhelming, and the government quickly promised to discontinue all 34 of its nuclear plants. One by one, they began to shut them down. By 2013, the country was free of nuclear power. But this created another problem. How do you generate power to replace the closed-down stations? Nuclear power at once provided more than 20% of the country's electricity. So where were they going to get this energy from? The most expedient solution was to turn back to fossil fuels, 
So the country moved to mobilize its coal plants and started building more coal plants. This disruption in power supply led to an increase in the cost of electricity across the country. It caused shortages in the colder winter months, especially up north in Japan. And as we all know, fossil fuels bring a bevy of awful environment side effects. They create smoke, they destroy ecosystems, and they harm people's health. So this is where the story sort of got weird, because amazingly, studies have since determined that the closing of the nuclear power plants in Japan has actually caused more deaths than the Fukushima accident itself. I just want you to think about that. The closing of the nuclear power plants in Japan has actually caused more deaths than the Fukushima accident itself. So you may call it a case of the cure being worse than the poison, or you know, you've sold your shoes to buy shoelaces. To their credit, the Japanese government they hit a U-turn, and in 2018, they began reactivating their nuclear reactors. And their goal is now to go fully online or fully nuclear by 2030. But this cure is worse than the poison problems are everywhere if you pay attention. So the law of unintended consequences occurs when an impulsive or an emotional decision is made that will unintentionally create more problems than it was supposed to solve. So now, where does this put you and your unintended consequences? Have you ever been so frustrated by a process in life that you decide to take a shortcut, but only to realize that you were better off sticking out with the process, or you were right in the first instance to stick with the route that you were taking? Or have you ever made that huge purchase you've dreamed about? You know, maybe it's a nice car, it's a big house, or, you know, it's a piece of land, whatever it is, whatever that big thing is for you. You dream and you save, and you do whatever you can to get it. Then the day comes when you actually buy it, but you realize that you have these massive repayments that you still need to pay the bank because you took a loan out or you took a mortgage out to buy a million dollar house when you're not worth a million dollars. And when you realize that now you have to start repaying until pretty much the rest of your life, that feeling of this is my dream no longer satisfies you. Or have you ever been absolutely miserable in a job but you were so complacent and emotionally dependent on that salary or that social validation that you just kept working and working and working, telling yourself that, you know, one more year, then, you know, yeah, soon, I'm going to, pretty soon, I'm going, to, I'm going to quit. But before you make that decision, you've become anxious and you're profoundly depressed. And you're now on so many pills trying to deal with these health issues that have come from your mental breakdown, which has come down to a physical breakdown. So the decision for you was to just quit your job when you didn't feel like this is the place that you belong or this is the place you should be. 
but you kept on, you held on until it became a mental issue that then escalates to a physical issue, right? You may go through a terrible breakup, but hate the fact that you and your ex don't speak and you're reminiscing on the great times that you had together. And you think, isn't it worth putting in a little effort to just be friends? Can't you two just, or don't you two deserve at least that much? So you call up your ex and you tell them that you're sorry and you wish that you guys can, can get along or whatever that would look like. And they invite you over to their place. And you're thinking to yourself, it's no big deal. I mean, we used to hang out all the time. And then days later, you're on the phone screaming at each other, shouting at each other. And because you made a decision, thinking that this would fix a temporary situation, it's now compounded your problems. You're now dealing with an ex and their problems when you were not even supposed to be in that situation to start with. You see, our worst decisions never feel like horrible decisions. Our worst decisions always feel like good decisions in the moment. And that is why we make them. So this experience of the cure being worse than the poison often occurs because we are solving short-term, highly emotional problems without considering the long-term and second-order effects. You went back to see your ex to solve a problem of, you know, that painful breakup. In the short term, that might be the fix, but you've subjected yourself to a much greater long-term risk of emotional turbulence. So just like Japan shutting down their nuclear reactors in order to stop a short-term outrage and horror over the Fukushima disaster, they did not consider the long-term effects of inviting greater amounts of pollution and power shortages that ensued after their decision to shut down their reactors. So there's a reason why I believe we do these things. And I'm going to give you a list of the reasons why. We do this because our brains are biased. We are wired to experience the world in a certain way. And that means that our own perception of the world hardly reflects reality. So we suffer from the power of consequences for a few reasons. Reason number one. We are biased towards dealing with what we see as immediate threats rather than addressing the greater but slower long-term risk. Point number two, we are also biased for, towards focusing our attention on something that is tangible and easily imagined or visualized rather than something that is abstract. An example is if you think of the risk of a terrorist attack which is a very low risk versus the risk of disease, which is higher than we usually think. So when we think of a terrorist attack, we are quick to want to come up with solutions as to how can I stop this from happening? But when we talk of things like the coronavirus, people did not react as quick as they would have reacted if it was a bomb that had gone off at an airport. Point number three, we are biased towards events that are highly dramatic rather than events that require large amounts of logical thinking. 
Now, I'm sure you read this everywhere where people say that you are far more likely to die in a car accident than in a plane crash. But a plane crash is so dramatic and terrifying that it causes more anxiety for more people. More people are afraid of crashing in planes than they are afraid of crashing in cars. But the probability of these two happening, a car accident is more common than a plane accident. Point number four. We are so bad at considering second order and third order effects. So we cannot think two or three moves ahead. We fail to consider how shutting down this reactor is going to affect electricity costs and how these electricity costs are going to affect the citizens of the country, how it's going to affect people's health in winter. So we, we don't think that far. Point number four. The consequences often have compounding effects. We are bad at considering compounding effects. I'll use this terrorist example again, what happened in America, 9-11. It felt rational at the time to invest in security, but the investment compounds over time to the point where 10 years after that attack, the United States government had spent an upwards of $1 trillion dollars and it is likely to only save a few hundred lives. And this does not even take into account the second order effects now, such as stricter traveling laws, you know, the issuance of immigrant visas, lower enrollment in universities, less air travel. These are all things that compound after certain decisions are made. So these biases kick in, especially when big events or big things happen. So then people will ask, how then to, do we avoid the power of consequences? The truth is we can never 100% safeguard ourselves against the power of consequences and the cognitive biases that cause them. But there are some basic techniques that you can apply to your decision making to help you not fall victim to certain things. Technique number one, a lot of bad decisions are merely a function of impatience. So you should learn to ask yourself, if I do nothing, will this eventually get better? In many cases, it will. A classic example is sitting in traffic, not reconnecting with an ex is an emotional example. Don't talk to them. Don't, don't do it. Don't put yourself through it again. It helps. Just, just let it go. Wait. Allow time to heal. Do not make an irrational decision. Technique number two, when evaluating our own ideas, we tend to be good at seeing the benefits, but terrible at seeing the risks. And this is simply because, you know, it's my idea. So I always look at the good, never the bad. Right? So it's difficult to poke holes in what feels right to you. Therefore, it's useful to make practice out of asking yourself this question. What's the worst case scenario here? What are all the things that could go wrong? So you write down that best case scenario. Okay, this is what could go right. But what is the worst case scenario? And then ask yourself, what is the probability of each case happening? Then you take that probability and then see if it's something that is worth 
you pursuing? Point number three, is it, ask yourself, is it possible that my choice could have the opposite effect? Point number four, the one thing we often don't consider is how irrevocable our decisions are. So if you buy a car that you don't like, you can always resell it and make some money back. But you never make the same amount of money back. You're never going to, if you invest $100 in buying a car and you sell it, you're never going to get $100 back. The value is always going to be less. But if you catch HIV, for example, there's no going back. So despite this fact, there is a sizable population of people in the world who seem to spend more time thinking about the purchase of a car than they would do contracting HIV. <laughs> so some decisions are easy to undo, but some are incredibly or nearly impossible to undo. But often we don't spend enough time considering the latter. And we often spend too much time worrying about the former. So a good rule of thumb is this. If a decision is not permanent, it's better to move pretty fast. If a decision is permanent, it's better to move very slowly. So in essence, do not make permanent decisions based on temporary situations. Do not make permanent decisions based on temporary situations. So in closing, the truth about consequences is we do not know what we don't know. And as much as we consciously try to expand our, our areas of attention or knowledge, we are inevitably going to succumb to failures of foresight and care. So as long as you are alive, you're going to continue to be wrong in some form or in some men. But this should never be a reason for you not to try to be a little better. You may not be perfect, or we may not be perfect, but we are good, and that's exactly what life is about. So do not think too much about certain things, but also do not think too little about certain things. You need to find a balance in your decision-making in life. You need to find a place where you can say, this is what I'm about and are willing to live with the consequences of that decision. So it is important to evaluate every decision before you make it. Like I said, look at the best case scenario and also look at the worst case scenario and then evaluate and see what is going to be the outcome of this decision. I hope this will help someone out there. And as always, Please hit the subscribe button if you haven't and share this link with anyone else who might want to listen and we'll catch you next week.